The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Well, today, because I'm going to be out of town today, you know, how I was doing talks, we pre-taped a little clip of an interview that was done with Eric Stanley. There'll be an introduction to him in a moment. But it's about an initiative that I followed several years ago, and I think it's very worthwhile. And I wanted you to hear it, and everybody listen to this, and spread it. Go to your pastor, go to your priest. Go to your bishop, because it's a Sunday. Spread this everywhere. It's a very, very uh, powerful thing, standing up to unconstitutional mandates that were silenced at the pulpit. I stopped with my wife out of town last Sunday at a church, and the priest says, if you notice in the middle of the bulletin, we've got Obama, and we have Mitt Romney, and we have between those two what they say. We're not telling you what to vote for. We just want you to see the difference between the two. This Sunday, this initiative wants the pastors to tell you who to vote for. And we have a right to tell people from the pulpit the freedom to say what it is the church's guidance that somebody that you might endorse. This is foreign to a lot of people. 
And so when you hear this interview, you'll be very excited because they're standing up to the IRS. They say that they want the IRS to take these pastors to court. They'll defend them. I won't ruin the whole just of it. But so far, they can't get the IRS to do it because they know that they have no case. The IRS can't do what they're doing. They cannot silence a pastor. I want to add one more thing to that. You cannot vote for the Democratic platform. Therefore, they are for and endorse abominable marriage. They are for and endorse abortion completely. And it says the Pope said, Benedict, Catholics can debate war. They can debate the death penalty. But they cannot debate abortion. And they cannot debate marriage. Pretty awesome stuff. So what you're about to hear is why we're in trouble, because it's to do with money. If you speak pastor, the IRS says, we're going to take your tax exempt status away. It's always coming down to money. We'll choke you. You won't get donations. We'll close your church down. All of which is a fallacy. They cannot do it. And we're letting them do it. So you take this interview, take this show, and you go to them and say, we want you to speak. And you can't be Catholic, and you can't be for this platform that just rejected God at their convention. Am I saying that Republicans are all okay? Well, the platform's good. The candidates, I don't think we got really the choice we've been given. They fired the first shot, we'll show you that. So my call is not so much of an endorsement, it's a disendorsement, which you can't do. You say, well, you can't tell me to do this, you can't tell me to punish. I can tell you, you can't be Catholic, like uh, uh, Roberts did on the Supreme Court. He's really excommunicated, do you understand that? When he voted for the health care bill, he voted for us to pay for abortion, he automatically excommunicated himself. I don't know where the pastors are saying that he needs to be officially recognized as excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Why are we grown so weak? You have to read They Fired the First Shot. You have to be emboldened. You have to be enabled, as our lady just said in her message, with the Holy Spirit. So you can see we're blind, and yet we have eyes. We hear, but yet we don't. That we have ears to hear. So it's time. We said it's over. And this initiative is very, very exciting, very profound, very powerful, and can't be done by every priest and every pastor out there and every deacon. And it's time we do it. I know some people have copied some of the material we've written here in the books I've put out. And the deacon says they've never seen standing ovations. They've had that. This initiative, year after year, has brought standing ovations for the priests and pastors. People are hungry. They want to hear it, Pastor. So we'll go right into the interview now at this moment. And remember, it's mesonomics. This is about economics. This is about saying, you speak, we take your money away. Tyranny. Full-fledged tyranny. We'll let it go. So here we go into the interview. We're speaking now with Mr. Eric Stanley, who is the Senior Legal Counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, formerly known as the Alliance Defense Fund, uh, the Kansas City location. Uh, Mr. Stanley, 
has argued numerous cases throughout the United States on constitutional issues, and uh, currently he leads the Alliance Defending Freedom Pulpit Initiative, whose task is to help empower pastors across the nation to speak freely about how Scripture and church teaching apply to matters concerning candidates and elections, which uh, for the past few decades have been considered tabooed topics uh, from the pulpit. Eric, it's a pleasure to have you on Radio Wave with a friend of Medjugorje. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, Eric, we're glad you're with us. And uh, Go ahead and get into what is the Pulpit Initiative. Sure. Uh, pulpit Freedom Sunday is really all about protecting a pastor's right to speak freely from the pulpit and to not be intimidated or censored when they do so. And it really flows from the idea that it's the pastor's job to determine what is said from the pulpit and not the IRS or any other government agency or official. A lot of people may not realize it, but since 1954, the IRS has really set itself up um, under the power granted to them by the Johnson Amendment in the tax code, has set themselves up as a censor of what a pastor can and cannot say from the pulpit when it comes to the issue of candidates and elections. Mm-hmm. In Pulpit Freedom Sunday, we really believe that, uh, that the, there should be no line drawn in the pulpit on what can and cannot be said by a pastor, that it's the job of the pastor, as I said, to determine what's said from the pulpit, not the IRS. And so we want to have the Johnson Amendment declared unconstitutional, and Pulpit Freedom Sunday is a way to launch a head-on constitutional challenge to this Johnson Amendment and hopefully have it declared unconstitutional once and for all. When was the first year, year, year that you started this? We started this back in 2008, and we started small with 33 pastors back then, and we weren't really sure what the IRS response was going to be. But the pastors that participated back then uh, preached sermons all on one day. They talked about the candidates that were running for office, the positions those candidates hold, and how those positions aligned with Scripture and Church doctrine. And then they made a specific recommendation uh, on each of the candidates as to how the congregation ought to vote. They recorded their sermons, and they sent them to the IRS uh, in the hopes of, as I said, generating a test case that would once and for all have the Johnson Amendment declared unconstitutional. Um, It's grown every year since then. We had uh, 84 pastors in 2009. We had 100 pastors in 2010. Mm. Last year, it, it blossomed to 539 pastors. And this year, Pulpit Freedom Sunday is October 7th, and already uh, we are over 1,300 pastors wow. signed up this year uh, to participate. So it's really turning into a nationwide movement of pastors who are reclaiming their constitutional right to really apply Scripture to all areas of life, including candidates and elections. What kind of response are the, uh, the congregations giving back to the pastors? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we we had a debriefing last year and really every year afterwards with the pastors who participate. And, you know, it has been amazing how the pastors say that uh, this was one of the most well-received sermons they've ever preached. Many of the pastors reported receiving standing ovations from their congregations. Um, you know, there really has not been any real negative um, fallout or, or blowback from these pastors' uh, sermons on the issue of candidates and elections. And, and I really think it's because uh, people in the pews are hungry to hear and to understand how does Scripture apply to what they're facing today? What are they facing in this election with these particular candidates? Does the Bible and church doctrine have anything to say about that? And when their pastor stands and, and is able to proclaim that freely, and to not worry about whether it might get the church into trouble or not, 
uh, it's very well received across the board. So these pastors are actually saying, vote for Mr. John Doe for this reason and not someone else because of this reason. Right, right. Yeah, the pastors actually take it to that level of, of really making a specific rec- recommendation. And, you know, pastors either either will support a particular candidate or they will um, oppose uh, a particular candidate um, and not support someone. Uh, either one is, the IRS uh, says, is problematic and, and could get a church or a pastor into trouble. Um, and so, again, it, it all flows from the idea that uh, no government official or agency should have any censorship power over a pastor's sermon from the pulpit that violates the free exercise of religion, the free speech clause, violates the establishment clause in the Constitution, and in the First Amendment. Um, we don't usually like to use the phrase separation of church and state, um, and I think it's been misused and, and abused right. over the years, but mm-hmm. this is really a good way to use that. There should be a separation of church and state where the state does not control what goes on inside the church. And that's what's been happening with the IRS for the last 58 years. So Pulpit Freedom Sunday is all about kicking the government out of the pulpits of America. And the pastors aren't saying, uh, this is my personal opinion, but they're just speaking with the authority of the pastor over the church. Right. And and all of this is, is really based on a biblical evaluation of the candidates and the positions that those candidates hold and where they stack up and how they align with Scripture and church teaching. So it's uh, something that these pastors are, are very, um, uh, it's, it's a very measured um, uh, application of Scripture to a, a particular election and the particular candidates, something that pastors really haven't felt free to do uh, for the last 58 years since the Johnson Amendment was passed. Have you spoken with any IRS agents, either retired or those you might know in the, in the lead of, line of work that you're in that may have expressed things to you or or even being happy about this or dissatisfied or yeah no i have not personally and uh you know the irs is a very closed off organization i think it's it's one of the uh, most secretive um federal bureaucracies that's out there it's very difficult to know what they're doing when they're doing it and why uh but as we've grown public freedom sunday not one of the churches or pastors who have participated have been audited, punished, or censored in any way by the IRS as a result of their participation. So if a church out there has been reported by somebody, and they write them a letter, which I presume that's how it works, and they say, we're going to audit you, this this is uh, really used as a form of harassment, right? Well, it, it can be, yes. Uh, and I think that there are groups out there that do this all the time. Uh, Americans United for Separation of Church and State mm-hmm. is one of these groups that writes these intimidation letters to really try to intimidate churches into silence. And and it is a form of intimidation uh, of churches. Uh, you know, as I said, not one of these churches has been audited or punished by the IRS. Uh, and so, really, I think as, as churches, as pastors, as church members, uh, congregation members, we tend to build up the IRS into something that it's not, and to give it a lot of power over how we conduct ourselves inside the church. And when did we, as, as a, a Christian uh, you know, congregation or church member, ever decide that it was okay to, uh, to give over control, even a little bit, of the pulpit to the IRS? That's not okay not all right theologically, it's not all right constitutionally. Uh, and so our goal with Pulpit Freedom Sunday is really to to have this Johnson Amendment declared unconstitutional. No, ch- no court 
anywhere in the country has ever had the opportunity to decide whether it is constitutional for the IRS to censor a pastor's sermon. That issue's never seen the light of day of a courtroom. That's something we want to change. We think that when it does get to court, it's not going to take it long for a federal judge to strike it down. And hence the reason they're not contacting the churches when they send, send the recordings, right? I think that's right. I think the IRS knows that this is unconstitutional. Uh, I don't think they want this battle. Uh, and it may be that they never respond uh, to any of these pastors. And that's okay, because the success of Pulpit Freedom Sunday is not dependent on uh, whether the IRS responds or not. If the IRS responds, Alliance Defending Freedom and our 2,200 allied attorneys across the country, we are prepared to defend any pastor or church uh, as a result of, uh, that's audited as a result of something said from the pulpit, and we'll defend them free of charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that what um, what I think, it, though, if the IRS does not respond uh, at any point, then uh, it's just going to become very clear after a time, um, and this continuing to grow year after year, it's just, I call it the emperor has no clothes principle, and <laughs> that it's just going to mm-hmm. become real clear that the IRS is mm-hmm. not going to enforce this against a pastor sermon. And either way, we, we win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read years ago about a, a retired IRS agent who started telling churches not to even register as 5013Cs because they didn't have to. And uh, several did that, and the IRS did nothing to that because they said it's not up to the, the IRS to sit there and say they're tax exempt because it's already constitutional. Well, that is right. The the, uh, tax exemption for churches is not a matter of legislative grace. Uh, It's a constitutional right. And, you know, nobody would ever think that it would be okay for a pastor or a church to um, give up their right to, uh, against an unreasonable search and seizure uh, in order to obtain a tax exemption or to be required to quarter troops in the church Mm -hmm. in order to obtain a tax exemption. So why should we think it's okay to give up our free exercise of religion and our free speech in order to obtain a tax exemption? It's an, it's an unconstitutional condition uh, on a tax exemption that is you know, something that churches are constitutionally entitled to in the first place. So a church actually can start, even, takes, even give tax deductions for contributors, right? Right. Uh, churches do not need a letter from the IRS in order to be considered tax-exempt. Uh, the, the, the income tax code automatically exempts churches uh, without having to obtain an advance letter from the IRS. And so uh, churches don't need a letter. Um, some churches choose to get one out of a matter of administrative convenience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if a church doesn't have a letter, it, it is considered tax-exempt. Are you seeing more churches doing that than not? Or? Uh, I, I think that it's, it's kind of evenly divided. Um, you know, it's usually the smaller churches that don't get the letter. Um, as a church gets bigger and they may have a lot of donors that get audited or, you know, they're involved in a lot of different activities, uh, usually they'll get a letter from the IRS that just makes it... It's, it's really more for administrative convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not really anything that's constitutionally or, or statutorily required of churches. But even a big church, can, can a donor can give, say, 10000 deduct that off their taxes... And they yeah, don't have yeah. a letter, and they're okay. They're clean. Yeah, that's exactly right. Wow. When are you going to start that movement? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, the, there it is, a, it is a myth, though, that if a church doesn't have a letter from the IRS, that somehow it's not subject to 501c3. Mm-hmm. Um, it, under the law, even if a church doesn't have a letter, uh, the IRS and the Internal Revenue Code subjects that church to 501c3. And, and normally that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, there are some good things in there, like 
you can't use the church just to privately benefit the pastor mm-hmm. income-wise mm-hmm. and those kind of things. But what becomes a problem is, is when things like the Johnson Amendment get added to the tax code. Uh, and the Johnson Amendment is, is a speech restriction that prevents the church from doing anything that might directly or indirectly support or oppose a candidate for office. And that would even include applying Scripture in a way that would oppose a candidate or support a candidate. And it's unconstitutional to allow the government to have that type of censorship authority uh, over how a pastor preaches to his congregation. And that's really our point. Um, you know, there, there's some pastors and churches who don't think that, that they should uh, support or oppose candidates, and that's fine. But I think every church should agree that it's not the government's job to tell them they can't do that. Uh, well, and when we open the door for that restriction, then it's kind of the proverbial camel's nose under the tent, and we can open the door for other restrictions to follow. Mm-hmm. Well, we was just uh, we just stopped for Mass uh, out of town this past Sunday, and the pastor he says, if you open up the bulletin, you're going to see... Obama, and you're going to see Mitt Romney, and you're going to see their, both their stances on it. And he said, I'm not saying who to vote for. All I'm saying is, this is, you know, what they stand for. You can see this timidity in him. And I know about what y'all do, uh, def- or Defending Freedom. Let me get this name straight. It's changed the last Defending Freedom. Uh, I knew what they had been doing for a couple of years, the last several years. But you see this caution is so ingrained in this that they can't dare say anything. So what would you tell to these pastors or say to them? Well, I, I think you're exactly right that there is a timidity, there is an, an intimidation factor with pastors when it comes to talking about candidates and elections. And what I would tell pastors is just simply this. Uh, no pastor should ever fear the IRS when they stand in their pulpit to proclaim biblical truth. Um, we've somehow grown up with two or three generations in the church now who some who think that it's somehow unlawful for their pastor to say anything quote unquote political from the pulpit. The problem is is that society has been steadily defining biblical issues as political. It's not that the church is going out and uh, seeking these types of battles uh, and intruding into the political realm. It's that the political realm has intruded into the church. Right. Uh, issues of of uh, abortion, marriage, um, your other issues that are that are very clearly covered in Scripture um, are are labeled as political, and somehow now they should be off limits. And and I would just tell pastors they have a choice to make um, whether they can remain biblically sound uh, and and tied to what Scripture says, and speak faithfully about those issues, uh, even if society deems them to be political, uh, or they could back away. And unfortunately, many pastors and churches over the years have backed away, and the voice of our pastors in America have been silent on these issues for way too long. For the last 58 years, since the Johnson Amendment's been in the tax code, politicians have gotten a free pass for moral and biblical scrutiny mm-hmm. when it, during an election cycle. And, the, and, you know, in our American history, before 1954, when the Johnson Amendment was added to the tax code, pastors frequently spoke on how candidates and their positions aligned with Scripture. And I think that that's something that, that our, our country needs to hear again, uh, and the voices of our pastors don't need to be silent uh, on that. It's unconstitutional to silence them. Well, the, the uh, colonies and the churches and the colonies was the main initiative, or, or really one of the main voices that helped pull together the revolution. Well, that's exactly right. Historians agree with that. And, you know, if you look over American history, uh, pastors have always been at the forefront of the great movements of our day. Um, You know, the the pro-life movement. Pastors have always led the way on those things. 
Uh, and I think it's time for pastors to stand up and to lead the way again so on the issue of candidates and elections. So October 7th is the day, target date. October 7th is the day, and if, if there are pastors who are interested and want to sign up, they can go to pulpitfreedom.org. Uh, if they can't do it on October 7th, that's okay. Uh, go ahead and sign up and just pick a Sunday before the election, and, and we'll still count it. We want every pastor to have the opportunity to be involved. And if they can't even give a, a full sermon to it, uh, take a few minutes, maybe five, ten minutes uh, in your service time, and talk about the issue of candidates and elections uh, in a Pulpit Freedom Sunday way, uh, and that'll count as well. But pulpitfreedom.org is the place to go and sign up, get all the information you need about it. Now, Eric, just one miscellaneous question to, to throw in here. And uh, in earlier in the interview, you spoke about uh, you felt pretty confident uh, in that if this were ever to be challenged, that uh, that the courts would pretty much decide that this was unconstitutional. Now, we know today uh, we don't really know which uh, way the courts will go because they, they can go any direction. But in, in the event, for example, that uh, this does make it to uh, a trial and and a judge decides that it is constitutional for the IRS to censor speech of a pastor to for the tax exemption status. Uh, what then do do we uh, do we just say maintain the spirit of defiance? Well, I think that's a very good question, and I, I hope that that's an, a road that we never or a bridge that we never have to cross. But if we do, um, you know, one of the things that we have said over the years is that this is a constitutional challenge, and it's allowed by our structure. Um, to have a test case like this, to, to hold our, our leaders and its laws uh, to the, the standard of the Constitution. And I think ultimately if we were unsuccessful in our challenge, uh, there are other ways that, that uh, pulpit freedom can be advanced. Um, maybe that would serve as a legislative change catalyst, um, you know, for Congress to finally act and to repeal uh, the Johnson Amendment. Uh, we, w- we certainly wouldn't give up the fight on that issue. Um, but, you know, I think as we look at the legal arguments and, and uh, look at kind of how the Johnson Amendment got added to the tax code, how it's been interpreted over the years, uh, and, and really scholars across the board uh, agree with the position that, that this is unconstitutional, uh, and it really needs to go. Well, didn't Johnson do it as vengeance because uh, some nonprofits came against him or something? Well, that's right. There were two secular nonprofit organizations who are opposing his candidacy for the Senate um, in Texas. Uh, He was going to the U.S. Senate uh, from the state of Texas, and uh, they thought he was soft on communism. They had two two men, had two secular nonprofit organizations, and they were opposing his candidacy. And and this was a way that Johnson found to silence them. Uh, In the history of the Johnson Amendment, it shows that, that Congress never debated this. They never analyzed this. There were no committee hearings, no nothing. It was a voice vote that was added uh, added an amendment to an existing tax bill that was pending at the time. And, and nobody made any attempt to understand how this might affect the constitutional rights of pastors and churches. But yet churches got swept up into this because they occupy that same 501c3 status as the nonprofits Johnson was really after. And over the years, this has been applied to churches uh, across the board in a very detrimental way to their constitutional rights. And so... It is. It was unconstitutional when it was passed, and it's unconstitutional now. It's just that no court has ever had that opportunity to declare it so. And you want the registers, those people who are the pastors who are going to be speaking this Sunday or even afterwards, correct? That's exactly right, yeah. In order to kind of know what's happening, we want pastors to go to pulpitfreedom.org and to register as, as a Pulpit Freedom Sunday participant. Uh, we're going to publish the list of all Pulpit Freedom Sunday churches um, after after October 7th, 
Uh, and uh, we, we just want every pastor to have the opportunity to be involved and to make sure that they, uh, if they want to speak out on this issue, uh, then they have the ability to do that. Well, Eric, it's great work you're doing. We're uh, behind you. We'll be praying for you. We'll spread this and others that we know to contact all the pastors and know. Maybe we make a contact quick with us, the people we got on our mail list, uh, to invite them to do the same. Well, thank you so much. It's been great to be with you. And uh, we're just praying for a great outcome on October 7th and to see what God will do. All right, Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Well, just as you just heard, some exciting, exciting stuff. You go to see your pastor. Call him this afternoon. Go on, if he's hearing confession, go right to where he is and say, I need to talk to you. I need you to listen to this. I want to stand behind you. Find other people in your church. If you read the fire, they fired the first shot and you've already started your little group, go meet the pastor. Go meet the bishop. You can even do this, remember, Eric Stanley said, after this Sunday. They'll still take your the recording of the pastor and still send it. Well, I don't want to ruin uh, what your plans are, but you, you do that. Frank, you there? Yes. So what do you think about that? It's awesome. It's, um, it's the basis of taking our country back. We won't. We will not take our country back until we take the pulpits back. Until we can be freed, and until we can listen to our lady keep telling us, "Pray for your shepherds that they won't be led astray. Pray for your shepherds; they'll walk with me. Pray for the shepherds so they can try it beside me." I mean, our lady's given it. We've got people now saying, "I will do this." I'm hearing already things trickling out, even in the Protestant churches, that is broken through. They fire the first shot. Verbiage is not there. Hasn't been there. And so we've always been here an icebreaker. We say it, we do it, we let the consequences fall where they may. This Pulpit Initiative Sunday is a beautiful thing. Don't let it waste. If you can't get with your pastor before this Sunday, which you should do everything you can, I mean, drop what you're doing, go. Do not practice quietism. Download the booklet to embolden you to sit there and say, I'm not going to be quiet no more. The war has started. This is it. Frank, where are we economically? Well, it, this is the whole thing, is that it has to come from us, and and the whole system is unconstitutional, and God's system is a finite monetary system, and that's what the purpose of uh, metronomics is to show us that we're to uh, exit the system. It's uh, very tenuous now, and... Uh, it's just a matter of time that things are going to start to unravel. So it's very important. We're preparing now. Uh, we're very excited about you coming to Ohio. We um, wish you a very safe journey. We can't wait to uh, to see you here later this week. I'll be there today, right? Is it Thursday I get there? Yeah. So today's Thursday. Of course, we're pre-taping this today, Wednesday. No, I won't be there Thursday. I'll be there Friday, right? Yeah, I, yeah, you'll be here for, here Friday for the talk. Yeah, and I'll have this afternoon and tomorrow, or next two hours from you. But go ahead, you can find that on Midget. Midget, where can they find that? On the homepage of Midgetory.com, okay. you'll see the uh, there's a module there on the right hand side. It says a friend of Midgetory speaking schedules, the next talk, and it has the dates there. With you click there for some more information. Okay, so what's happening with the Merrick Metal Midgetory Civil Round? Medallion. Well, it's it's really awesome. I saw another site where there's another round um, that's getting a, a lot of uh, attention, and they're very excited that they've done a ton 
of you know thirty thousand ounces, and uh, they're they're three over if you buy in bulk, and uh, it, it's a good program what they're doing for you know uh, freedom and liberty. But they're very excited that they reached this one ton plateau. We're over sixty tons, um, you know, over two million miraculous medals. Glory be to God, and uh, this is this is what everybody should realize that these will go on in people's hands, and people will carry them for hundreds of years. So, how many tons? Of, how many tons have we exchanged in America's medals so around today? Over sixty tons. Sixty tons of silver. You sure you counted and, that right? Well, uh, thirty thousand. That's uh, over one point eight million ounces we've done. Wow, our, tra- our, our track over here sounds like a dinosaur walking on the earth. It weighs 75,000 pounds. I can't imagine twice that weight. 60, yeah. 120, uh, over that. Yeah, wow. Pretty impressive. And, well, it, it's it's very awesome. And uh, this is for souls for all eternity. It's a great plan for the salvation of mankind. And I encourage people to continue to prepare and continue to take advantage of these times because, you know, the opportunity's here now, and it's certainly not going to be here forever. Well, we're at the hour. This is the war. We started it. It's gone. We've, 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 we're firing back. This is it. Frank, how do they get a hold of you? You can call us toll-free, 877-936-7686. You can reach us by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com, and that has the uh, contact information as well. I want to encourage you. We've got the first new communities conference, How To's, How To Do's, and that's going to be December 6th to the 7th, just preceding December 8th to the 12th. We combine those two things so people want to come and stay at both of them. Our December 8th, of course, is the reconciling ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. We've been doing that for probably almost 20 years. We've added the new community conference people's asked us for years how do you start communities and that will be specifically about they fired the first shot in fact you cannot even attend it if you've not read the fired the first shot even if your husband has read it and you haven't or you have and your husband hasn't we will not let anyone in who has not read the book read the book every day you don't read it every day you don't get it you will regret the time lost we have engaged this, board, this, this book is the bugle, it's the rallying call, it's the answer. So until next time, we wish you Our Lady, we love you, goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered.
It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.